Well, I invite you to turn to our passage this morning. If you have your have your bulletin, you can turn over to page three, uh, or if you have, have the app on your phone or the Bible in your hand, it's Second Corinthians one. Second Corinthians one. New year and a brand new sermon series, uh, working through this book of Second Corinthians together. And so here we are, starting at the very beginning. Uh, actually, this, this passage is so rich and so helpful of an introduction. We're going to work through it over the course of two weeks. So, so this is just part one. Uh, hopefully you can come back next week and uh, take in part two. But we'll read the whole passage uh, together. Uh, God's Word, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort that we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on behalf, on our behalf, for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Let's, let's pray for God's word. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would use your word this morning uh, in each of our lives, Lord, according to our needs and according to your wisdom and power, Lord, use, Lord, this passage we do pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So 2 Corinthians, the second uh, letter in the New Testament that we have from Paul to the church in Corinth. Now, if you read carefully through 1 and 2 Corinthians, you realize that Paul actually refers to two additional letters that he writes to the Corinthians. Uh, so this is actually the fourth time that Paul is writing to this church. Uh, it starts to give you a, a sense that he has this, this ongoing back-and-forth relationship with this congregation, uh, a congregation that he, he started um, roughly five years before this was written, give or take. Uh, big city, southern Greece, uh, this back-and-forth relationship. It's a back-and-forth also in the sense of up and down. Uh, a troubled relationship. The Corinthians, they, they love Paul. Except when they don't. Uh, they, they struggle and, and they get a 
taken aback and offended when Paul rebukes them for their sin, and, and they run off and, and uh, give, uh, give all kinds of credence to the critics of Paul uh, who want to disparage the apostle and, and see him pushed out of the way. And, and, uh, and, and actually, this letter is written at a period when things are beginning to heal in the relationship. They're, they're getting better. Uh, but Paul writes in part to, to encourage and move that process of reconciliation forward. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to get to learn a lot about the, the relationship between them uh, and see that this is, this, is Paul, uh, this is Paul the pastor. This is Paul at his most personal. Uh, this doesn't have the same uh, Paul the professor tone that, say, a Romans has. Uh, this is Paul the pastor. He's personal. He's emotional. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a great place to study, a great letter to study. Um, not only because it's interesting, I hope you do find it interesting, but also because the theme, the key theme of the letter is one I think all of us uh, can benefit from. Here's the key theme of 2 Corinthians. Strength in weakness. Strength in weakness. Could you, could you use some of that? Uh, yeah, this is, this, is, this is the book for us. Uh, this is the book for us. And this first passage is, is really diving into the deep end. It's a great introduction to the letter as a whole. We're going to introduce some of the things that will get teased out. But again, we'll do it in two parts because it's that, it's that rich. Uh, but we are diving right in. I thought one way we could start is by, by just kind of giving us a picture uh, that, that might help us begin to, to, to make, make this passage tangible, a picture uh, okay, it's a YouTube video. We're not going to watch it, um, but but one of the ones that one of the ones that YouTube suggested for me, you know, the supercomputers at Google thinks they know who you are. Uh, apparently, they think I both like sports and I'm a little bit sappy uh, because I get these these suggestions of like top 25 most touching moments in sports history, uh, and 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 occasionally I get sucked in. Uh, so here's this scene. Uh, that, has, that has shown up in, in several of these videos. I think it's one scene. I didn't go back and watch it this week. I thought, I'll lose two hours if I start down that <laughs> road. But, 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 but I remember quite clearly, clearly uh, it's the scene of, a, it's a marathon. And it's right at the end, you know, a couple hundred yards maybe from the finish line. You see all these, these, these runners, you know, hurrying to get uh, the best time, the, uh, the, the, the top uh, place as high as they can. And then you see this one guy. And, and he's, he's starting to slow, and then he wobbles, and then he staggers, and he just collapses. People are rushing past, and, and then, then there's this other guy comes along and kind of breaks his stride, right? A couple hundred yards right from the, from the end, stops, uh, goes over to this guy who has fallen, leans down, puts his arm around this guy, lifts him up to his feet, uh, and with the, with the one exhausted man's feet kind of barely touching the ground, uh, they, they slowly trudge until finally they make it to the finish line. I think it's a great picture of, of what God is talking about here in 2 Corinthians, and in particular this, this introduction. Uh, and and, and we'll, we'll see that in a number of ways, but let's, let's just start with that guy. Uh, let's start with that, with that, uh, that individual uh, uh, who's who's slowing, who's weakening, who's wobbling, staggering, falling. Can, can you identify with that? Uh, right? In the midst of the race of life, uh, right? you're, you're kind of heading towards the finish line. It's been a long race. 
You're, you're moving ahead, pressing ahead. Have you ever gotten to that point where your, your pace is slowing? You're wobbling. You're, you're staggering. And, and maybe you even collapse. Have you ever gotten to that point where you think, I just can't go any further? I don't, I don't think I can do it. I'm done. I'm, you know, I'm out of it. I'm out of strength. Is that, does that sound familiar? Can you identify with that? Uh, is, is there help there? Uh, is there strength in the midst of absolute weakness? That's what 2 Corinthians really is all about. Although the answers that it gives us are actually pretty surprising. Uh, because what Paul does, what God does, is give us details about uh, affliction, uh, suffering, comfort, strength, that are, that are very different than what we tend to assume. And he kind of takes our categories and turns them inside out. He takes our assumptions and kind of turns them upside down. Um, um, we, we actually actually teased that a little bit uh, when, I, when I told you what, the, what the, uh, the theme of this book is. And just think about that. We said the theme was strength in weakness. Can you see that, like, kind of on the surface of it, that doesn't make any sense? Strength, weakness, like they're polar opposites, right? To, to have strength is to not have weakness. To have weakness is to not have strength. How do you marry those two together? What are you talking about? Paul actually says it. He comes right out and says it. We'll get there in chapter 12. He says, For when I am weak, then I am strong. What? What are you talking about, Paul? That doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah, what Paul's doing is he's taking our categories, our assumptions about strength and weakness, uh, about affliction and comfort, and he's kind of turning them upside down. Uh, in fact, one of the things I want to do as we're kind of getting started here is, is name a few assumptions that we tend to have uh, about, about affliction and difficulty in life. Uh, things that we might maybe never say it, but like deep down, yeah, of course, we, we, we tend to believe it. Uh, a few assumptions. Uh, I'll, I'll read off a few. Jerry tempted to believe any of these things. This is kind of where deep down it tends to be. So here's, here's assumption number one. Affliction is to be feared and therefore avoided at all costs. Affliction is to be feared and therefore avoided at all costs. Assumption number two. Affliction is basically pointless. Uh, assumption number three. Uh, affliction means God is far away and thus you're basically alone. Affliction means God is far away and therefore you're basically alone. Uh, here's another one. Affliction keeps you from being useful and fruitful in life. So the best that you can do is when affliction comes, get through it as soon as possible so you can get back to being fruitful and useful. Right? Affliction is what keeps you from being useful, and therefore let's get through it as soon as possible so we can get back to life and back to, back to being useful. Um, and here, here's, here's one last assumption. Uh, if I was a good Christian, then affliction wouldn't seem so hard. If I was a good Christian, this affliction wouldn't seem so hard. Do, do any of those resonate a little bit? What we're going to see throughout the book, but I think even in this, especially in this first passage, Paul takes those assumptions and he kind of flips them upside down. Uh, 
again, we're just doing part one, so we'll we'll see a couple of those, uh, and then we'll get to more of them next week. Uh, but just to kind of get us thinking, to get us engaged, Paul's going to take us on. So the first thing we want to really notice from the passage is uh, the need for a, uh, for comfort. The need for comfort. So we're on to point two in the outline. The need for comfort. So here's Paul. He's opening this letter. Uh, what's what's probably his fourth communication to these Corinthians. And, and the, the opening of it, the bulk of it, is this extended praise to God. Uh, blessed be the God of all comfort. And what we want to see as we start to unpack that comfort in affliction is that Paul assumes that there is a great, great need for comfort. Right? It's all over. Uh, can, can you see, maybe you notice when we read how often Paul repeats certain words, how often he repeated the word affliction, how often he repeated the word suffering. Um, verse 4 talks about all our affliction, as if, yeah, there's quite a bit of it. Um, uh, verse 6, Paul uh, reiterates that it's not just him, um, but you too, Corinthian Christians, yeah, you're enduring the same sufferings. That, that I suffered, Paul said. Um, now, maybe it's helpful to, to, to address this one. Sometimes, when approaching passages like this, uh, you can Christians can talk about this as kind of a, a special category into itself, that passages like this, what they really talk about is, is just difficulty that comes uh, from, from uh, persecution uh, because of Christ. Uh, in other words, that's really all that Paul's talking about. It's just uh, those who are suffering that comes, persecution for the sake of Christ. So Paul or some pastor in China or something. Like, that's what this refers to, but not the kind of thing that I might experience uh, tomorrow morning. Um, well, that, that doesn't fit the passage. And it's helpful to, to, to notice that and remind us of that. Uh, so verse 4, Paul says, all our affliction. Uh, he says, any affliction. Uh, you could, we could go to passages like James 1, where James talks about trials of various kinds. Or 1 Peter 1, where Peter talks about being grieved by various trials. So in other words, believer, you can't kind of push this aside and say, yeah, that do, this doesn't apply to me. Uh, not for what I'm going through. Not for what, what I'm uh, wrestling with. It does. It does. Uh, these, uh, these, and these afflictions, we could say more, these afflictions that Paul's addressing here, that we need comfort for, that God's going to promise, uh, give us promises about, these afflictions include both physical, uh, external, and internal afflictions. Right? So uh, afflictions from outside and afflictions from inside. Uh, and he, Paul has this interesting passage over in 2 Corinthians uh, 7, 5. It's really, this again, this is sprinkled throughout the book. So here's one of the things he says in chapter 7. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. Right. So, so he's talking, here's this affliction we had at every turn when we came into this new, this new region. We had this affliction involved fighting from without and fear from within. Right? So it had this component of circumstances outside, uh, more real tangible stuff, but also what was going on inside. 
And Paul includes both of those. Uh, he does it again in, in 2 Corinthians 11. Now, maybe you've come across this passage where Paul lists all the hardships he's been through. Right? He's all, all these, these imprisonments and these beatings and shipwrecked. And he goes through this really, really long list. And, and, and most of the list, the whole beginning part of the list, it's all stuff from outside. Right? Imprisonments and shipwrecks and beatings. And then he gets to the final point in the list. And here's what he adds. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. The, the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. You see what he's talking about there. Uh, you know, here's, here he is as his apostle, church planter, pastor. He's, he started these churches, and he wants to see them grow in the Lord, but some of them are struggling, and it's weighing on him. Right? And he puts that right up there with imprisonments and shipwrecks and beatings as something that is a, is a deeply painful affliction that he has. That's saying something pretty, pretty significant. Uh, that, the, that the afflictions that God cares about are not just the things from the outside, but also the pressures that weigh, uh, that weigh within. Um, and, and God's going God's to care about both and address both of them uh, in your life and in my life. Okay, so back to chapter 1. <laughs> he, gives, he gives this, verses 3 to 7, talks about afflictions and comforts generally. And then he gives actually a specific example of it in verses 8 to 11. Uh, kind of like a, oh, let me give you a for instance. Um, verse 8. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. So after talking about generally affliction, now he's going to give a specific example. Let me tell you about the time I was in Asia, Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. We don't know exactly what he's talking about there, whether it's one of the things we read about in Acts or something completely different. Anyway, it was something really, really big. Uh, but but listen, listen to the weight of Paul's words. Uh, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Now, a part of what's probably behind those words is Paul's life is quite specifically, literally, in danger. Like, he's thinking, I could be killed, like, any moment now. Um, but, but notice how he's talking about it. It's not like in this kind of detached way. Like, yeah, we were real close to biting the dust, but, you know, whatever. Almost made it into heaven. But you can hear the, the, the depth of emotion uh, that this... This affliction is not just something that kind of came and bounced off, uh, but the, the deeply, deeply, right, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Almost sounds like our, our marathon runner, right? Uh, on a physical and emotional level, right? There's Paul saying, I was... I was wobbling, I staggered, I, I fell, and I was like, I, I guess I'm done. I got nothing left. I got no strength. I can't go any further. Um, so 
part of part of what we're seeing here is is the depth of how Paul talks about affliction. And, and what we want to do is see, does, does this kind of ring true? Is this, is this, this where you live? Uh, does, does, Paul, does Paul get you? I, I've had this interesting relationship with 2 Corinthians, because there's some stuff in 2 Corinthians that's just weird. And, and you know, for you know, many years of my Christian life reading through, I'm like, yeah, Paul, I, I just don't get you. Uh, but but as but the longer I've gone in the Christian life, probably because more I've experienced more things and and, and so forth, I, I read passages like this and language like Paul's using here, and I'm like, oh, Paul, Paul gets me because this sounds like real life, doesn't it? Okay, maybe the external stuff is different, uh, but but don't don't is this how we experience life so much of the time? And, and then we remember that this is the Apostle Paul, right? That, that this is the guy we think of as, as like, oh, here's, this is like the best Christian ever, right? Um, and, and we remember this is Paul writing, well, through the Holy Spirit. So God intentionally, purposefully made sure to get this language with all its depth of emotion and, 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 and just grit to it. God wanted this in your Bible before your eyes. So that, so that you would see that here's this guy, we tend to think, ah, he's the best of the best. And, and look at how he experiences life sometimes. Um, the reality of affliction, right? Uh, uh, like a weight far beyond our strength and ability to bear. To the point that sometimes Paul says, I, I, despaired, of, I despaired of life. So can you let that kind of sink in? As a, as a first step into this passage. Um, that, that believer, you can, you can remind yourself that, that if, you, if, you, if you feel the, the weight of affliction, and it, it starts to feel like this, you, you, you might hear that voice from somewhere. Your own head, the evil one, just past experience. You might hear that voice that says, yeah, if you were a good Christian... This would be a lot easier. You'd be good at this. This wouldn't hurt. Uh, this would be simple. If you hear that, you, you can ignore it. You can, you can tell that voice, uh, yeah, go talk to Paul. Go read 2 Corinthians. Go talk to the Holy Spirit. Um, right? The need for comfort. Then that gets us ready to begin to talk about the promise of comfort. Right, so here we get into the rest of the passage, or the transition. Paul talking in this, in this passage, it's focused on God, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right, it's focused on God, who God is, and what God does. Specifically, we're related to affliction. Let's talk about what God does, and then we'll kind of circle back to who God is. What, what does God do? Verse 4 Right, the, the lead up. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. What, is, what does this God do? He comforts us in all our affliction. He, he comforts us. Okay, so what does that mean? He comforts us. God, God hands us a pillow, so we're like a little more cozy. Is that comforts us? What is that? 
What does that mean? Well, like most New Testament themes and ideas, there's Old Testament history. And, and, and this, this seems to be definitely one of them. Uh, we, we're going to go back to that passage that Chris read earlier, uh, Isaiah 40. You remember how it began? Uh, comfort, comfort, says my people. Oh, that, that, that's the word that Paul's using. Comfort, comfort. Okay, well, what's going on here? So here's Isaiah. And Isaiah, at this point in his book, he's, he's speaking to this future generation, future for him, this future generation of Israelites who were, who were exiled. Right? They've been, they've been kicked out of the promised land because of judgment for their sin. Kicked out of the land of promise, kicked out of the presence of God uh, because they have rebelled against God and sinned against him repeatedly for generations. Uh, you could say on a spiritual level, Israel has just staggered, fallen, they've collapsed, uh, and, and here they are in exile. And, and God is sending this message to them. And what's his message? Comfort, comfort. Okay, what is that comfort going to look like? Uh, well, we keep reading in the passage. Uh, again, if you want to look at it, it's on page three, but where I can just read it to you. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. So, so what is the comfort all about? Well, it involves God speaking tenderly to his people. God's going to draw near to them in compassion and kindness and tenderness. Um, but it's a, it's a comfort that does something. Right? It, 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 it does something. Right? And Isaiah speaks about warfare ended. Warfare with God. Ended. He's going to do something. He's going to end the hostility. He talks about iniquity being pardoned, sin being forgiven. Yeah, this is what God's going to show up. His comfort is going to, is going to end the, the tension. It's going to forgive the sin. Uh, you keep reading in Isaiah, and you realize that the comfort also includes this promise that God's going to take these exiles, and he's going to bring them back into the land. Right? So the, the, that's part of the comfort that he's going to give. That he's speaking to them. I'm going to bring you back. Uh, so the idea is that God's comfort is this drawing near of God in tenderness and compassion and doing something about their affliction. Right? It, it's almost, uh, I go back to our marathon runner. Uh, it, so, so the guy's fallen. Uh, it's, it's stopping. And, and not just, oh, here's a pillow for you on the ground. But God's saying that what he does, that what biblical comfort looks like, uh, is, is doing something. It's, it's tenderly, compassionate, but it's kind of reaching down, take that guy's arm, lift him up, and trudge to the finish line. God's comfort does something in his compassion, in his tenderness. And, and here God says, he will comfort us. Go back to our Second Corinthians passage now. Uh, verse 4. Now, he is the God who does comfort us in all our afflictions. He will comfort us in all our afflictions. He will speak tenderly to us, and he will do something in his comfort. Which kind of then begs the question, okay, what is God going to do? Well, sometimes uh, what God does in his comfort in our afflictions is he delivers us out of the affliction. He takes the hard thing away. Paul's example that he gives in 8 to 11 is an example of that. Uh, here's Paul. He's in this affliction in Asia. And he says, God just took us away. He, verse 10, 
God delivered us. All right, so apparently Paul's under the threat of death, but Paul lives. Uh, and, and, and there's a change on the outside, and Paul seems to be encouraged on the inside. So this hard, burden thing, uh, God comforts by just taking away uh, the affliction. So that's, that's, that's one of the things that God can do to comfort his people. Uh, and that's the example that Paul uses beginning the book of 2 Corinthians. He also gives an example of God comforting him in affliction at the end of the book of 2 Corinthians, only this time God does something, but it's different. Uh, here's the passage. We'll get to it in detail. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about a different affliction that seems equally as hard and painful. He calls it the thorn in the flesh. I don't know what that means, but hard. It's difficult. And Paul asks, Lord, deliver me. Take it away. But God says, no, not now. Uh, but, the, but he does something. God does God shows up. He comforts Paul. But this time, God's comfort looks like God giving Paul strength in his weakness. Uh, God's grace being sufficient while he remains in difficulty. Uh, it's a true and powerful comfort, but it looks different. Uh, so, so again, we, we, can, we can make this personal. If you're, uh, if, if you're in Christ, God promises that in the midst of all of your afflictions, he will comfort you. He will draw near. He will speak tenderly and do something uh, to comfort in the midst of afflictions. Sometimes, uh, it's deliverance. Right? That, that health condition, God heals it through medicine or some other means. It, it goes. Or, or that, or that real difficult uh, relationship, it, it gets transformed and healed, or, or, or that, that depression just lifts and it never comes back, right? Sometimes God's comfort is he steps in, he delivers, he takes the affliction away. Uh, but other times, uh, other times, his comfort looks different. Uh, other times, this side of heaven at least, uh, his comfort is in the context of the, the difficulty remaining. The affliction staying, and God drawing near, in a sense, almost more powerfully, and giving you his strength in the midst of your weakness. Uh, and what we're going to see through 2 Corinthians, that actually is, is a glory that's almost more glorious because of its connection to Christ, because it's something the world doesn't understand, uh, because it shows forth the power of God. Uh, but for now, just realize that whatever God ends up doing in terms of the affliction. And certainly, if you're, if you're in the midst of difficulty, pray that God takes it away. I will pray with you. Uh, and I hope he does. That's not wrong to wish, hope, pray, work for, that kind of taking away of the hardship. No, all those things are good. Uh, and, and, and pray that God does it. Uh, but even if he doesn't, uh, to realize he is doing something. He is comforting. He is drawing near. And it might change our categories of what comfort looks like, uh, but, but he is drawing near uh, to comfort us in all of our afflictions. Because, and here's our final point, wrapping things up, because he's the God of all comfort. Right? Because he's the God of all comfort. That's where it comes from. Uh, comfort is not just something that God does, it's something that God is. So verse 3, 
God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. He's talking about, who is this God we're talking about? Which, which God? What God? Well, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, well, what, 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 what kind of heavenly Father is he? He's the Father of mercies. What kind of God is he? He's the God of all comfort. Comfort isn't just something that God performs. It's, it's something that God is. It, it defines who he is. Uh, and again, that's a, that's a powerful uh, encouragement to us. Let's connect it to our, our Luke reading from, the, from this morning. Uh, where we read that story. It's actually a story that's traditional to read this time of year. Uh, Jesus at the temple. Uh, kids, you remember that story? Jesus, right after, after he's born... He's taken by his parents, Mary and Joseph, to the temple. And there's this guy, Simeon, who's there. Uh, and we're told about this old man, Simeon. Uh, and he's described by Luke as one who is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Uh, consolation, it's the same word, comfort. He's waiting for the comfort of Israel. That comfort that God promised Isaiah, right? Speak comfort, comfort my people. Well, okay, the, the return from exile, that, that was a little picture of it, but that did, really didn't do it. That wasn't the full comfort. Uh, and so here's Simeon and others. They're waiting for God to bring this consolation, this comfort, waiting for it, waiting for it. And what shows up? Jesus, a person. And you remember how, how Simeon responds. Right? I, I can depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Yeah, because he's seen Jesus. Okay, translated into, into consolation comfort categories. He's essentially saying, God, I can, I can die in peace right now. You can take me. Why? Because I have seen comfort. Yeah, because comfort incarnate is in his arms. Jesus has arrived. Right? This, this God and Father is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the, 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 the Father sends the Son who is, who is God himself. So the, the God of all comfort shows up into our world. Uh, and he not only brings comfort, he is comfort. Uh, his very presence means comfort to, to his people. Uh, and you go through the story and realize what he's doing. Uh, Jesus is arriving uh, to, in his very being to bring comfort to us. He does it by, by bearing our afflictions. Right? He, he, he can sympathize with us in all our, all our struggles and weaknesses because he lived it. Right? He, he knows the difficulty. All right? This God of all comfort that we, that we praise is a God who, who gets us, who understands, because God the Son lived it, uh, incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ. So, but not only does he experience all the afflictions, uh, he, he, he does something about it in his being. Because right? the ultimate work of God is to, in Christ is to go to the cross. And there he experiences the ultimate affliction um, so that we would never have to experience it. Right? He bears our sin. He bears our, our judgment, that ultimate of, of affliction uh, that's separated from eternity from the presence of God, the wrath of God for our sin. Jesus takes it in his person, in his being. Uh, he experiences, he takes it for us in our place, uh, right? Here's the God of comfort showing up, bearing our afflictions to comfort us, to bring that true comfort into, into our lives so that we can know him, 
uh, as we'll see next week, so that we can be connected to him. That, that's, that's why we experience comfort, because we're connected to the one who is comfort. And we'll talk about more about, about that next, uh, next week. But through faith in Christ, we're, we're forgiven. We're set free from the hell we deserve. We have, we have, we have a, a connection to the Lord. We know him, and thus in him we have life. We have comfort in him that, that never ends, that never fades, that nothing in the world can touch uh, ultimately, and ultimately lands in that transformed world where there is no more affliction. Comfort is a person who has arrived and bringing, brought true comfort to his people. This is why you can't really have this true comfort without Jesus. You can't really have this comfort and say, you know, I, but I don't want the God of all comfort. Because they're connected. Uh, so, so if you if you don't know Christ and and you're not really walking with Him, trusting with Him, uh, then, then then this 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 true biblical comfort that doesn't fade, that truly strengthens weakness and and lasts for eternity, uh, you can't have it apart from from Christ, which is also an encouragement of hope. Like it's it's available and it's a free gift because He paid the whole way. So freely, God calls and says, says here, come. Uh, here is this comfort. Here is this Savior. Here is Jesus. Here is life. Right? So the, the, the turn, uh, the, the repent, the turn from sin is turn from all those things that you think will give you comfort in this life, you think will truly satisfy, but won't. Won't truly comfort. Uh, and turn to the one who is comfort. And there, find life in him. It means if you if you know this Christ, then, then, then you already have comfort. And God's going to manifest that more and more in your life as you as you're connected to him. But uh, but but you can you can join Paul, you can join Simeon in, in, in praising and blessing God uh, because he's he's given you himself. Uh, he's given you comfort that goes into all the hard places and dark places of of our lives. Can you start to see how God is, is bringing us good news? It's a good news that challenges some of our assumptions. Right? That, that assumption of, yeah, if I was a good Christian, I, this, this wouldn't really hurt that much. See how God's challenging that one? Uh, but also that one of uh, affliction is something I, I fear. Uh, well, okay, doesn't mean it's fun in Christ uh, or desirable, um, but fear? No, we don't have to. Uh, because we are connected to this one who is comfort. Uh, that comfort that goes to the, to the hardest and darkest of places, God himself drawing near to us. Uh, it's, a, it's a comfort, a consolation that, that holds us up, that gives us strength and weakness now, uh, and transforms our whole world in the life to come. So let's thank the Lord of all comfort together. Lord, we do thank you. You are good and you are uh, gracious to your people. We pray that increasingly, in the midst of our challenges and difficulties and afflictions, we might, uh, we might know and rest uh, in, in, your, in your comfort in you. Uh, Lord, show us and help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.